The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. AJ Brown was somebody that um, we'd studied coming out and uh, spent a lot of time on, and we had a lot of love for AJ Brown in that draft. Uh, and we had discussions back and forth, and I really realized we got to a spot where it's going to be hard to kind of get a deal done. Um, and the trade thing kind of manifested itself from them. And as long as I'm the coach here, I would I would want to have AJ Brown on my football team. Uh, I think I've spoke on that um, several times now. So. Um, do not foresee that happening. Do not foresee is kind of halfway between no intention and no chance. Like, do not yeah. foresee. There's a lot of things I do not foresee happening that are going to happen. There are two explanations for why I don't remember saying that. Either I'm old and I'm forgetting things, or... There's just been so much going on. It's just happening all the time. You can't keep up with it. I frankly didn't remember that. I really did not remember that. Wow. That was news to me. That, that's news to me, as Jerry Jones said when he learned the actual definition of a word that he wants used at a press conference. Look it up. Well, don't look it up. Watch us. Hello, Miles Simmons. How are you today? I'm great, Mike. You know, I remember you saying that. I thought it was a pretty good point. But I guess I don't, you know, do as many shows as you do per day slash per week. So maybe, and I'm also, you know, 20 plus years younger than you. So I guess my memory yeah, is probably thanks. a little bit better. Now, there you go. Thanks for showing respect <laughs> to your elders as you always do. I'm curious about this. Since you're in LA and you used to work for the Rams, over under, were you drunker or less drunk than Les Snead and Sean McVay last night? Oh, I was way less drunk than uh, at least Sean McVay. <laughs> I think I, less was gosh. worse. Less, less no, was no. in the full blown. No, 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 no. Because I know when you're getting past it. Trust me, I've got experience in this. I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, I have a degree. Uh, I do too. <laughs> less was it. Less was in full blown. I have to focus extra hard on what I'm saying so I don't openly slur. That's where Les was. He could Whoa. no longer enjoy his state of inebriation and just like yell and scream. Yeah. He had to be like very, very <laughs> careful because he was very close to being Foster Brooks. And I know you don't know who Foster Brooks is. I don't. But in fairness, that's kind of less all the time in press conferences. That's just kind of his, you know, demeanor. Oh. With, with Sean McVay, I mean, I covered a lot of Sean McVay press conferences. And that is as loosey-goosey as I've ever seen him. That's, that's the Sean McVay that sometimes I would see in the draft room. But that he's very robotic and, you know, he just says his little catchphrases and all those different things, which is what coaches do in pressers. But like, my, my goodness, man, they were they were certainly loosey goosey last. That was I, I almost missed working for the Rams a little bit watching that last night because that must have been a fun little draft room and draft party. Unless we get uh, sued for defamation because 
Uh, there's been some stories lately of former Los Angeles coaches slash general managers thinking about suing people for how they've been portrayed on TV. <laughs> I applaud it. I'm not. I'm not casting aspersions. Oh, yeah. I think it's awesome. Go ahead. What else are you going to do? You got no draft picks. You've yeah. already said f them picks. Next, you say f it. Let's go. Pour me another. What else are you going to do? You rent the whole draft house. I'm sure they have alcohol there. They presumably have a vodka sponsorship or something. So anyway, we'll talk about it later in the program. We need to move along. We got other things. We have it. What do we have? What do we have? Let's hear it. You want to hear it now? Let's hear the drunk guys now. As Matt Casey says, uh, let's hear the drunk guys again. Here they are. <laughs> really, really? Just went. Oh, my UT Chattanooga to the first How round. Hey, where is... How about that? And we wasted our time watching him thinking he'd be at 104, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, McVeigh is happy drunk and Les is getting a little nervous drunk. That's my assessment of their... And that only reinforces it. Uh, but they, uh, they're having a good time. And that's good. Have a good time. Life is short. The threat of nuclear war is hanging over us. If you haven't paid attention, you should be. Enjoy your life while you can. I feel like I need to tell the people, and that's that you brought it up on the air, that last night, right before the start of the draft, Mike sent a text to our PFT group chain that basically was like, oh, man, what if the draft gets, like, bombed tonight? And like, I did, did I say that? Oh, no, 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 no. You know what? Here's my point. Here's my point. They had that whole Ukraine thing and it was very over the top. And I said, oh, oh great. Putin's going to drop a nuclear warhead on Las Vegas tonight. It was uh-huh. a joke. It wasn't meant to be nihilistic. It was a joke. Uh, oh, well, all right. I didn't quite know that because as I tweeted yesterday, I was in the middle of uh, you know getting my record on a Peloton class. So. Maybe we should start talking about things that people are actually going to care about instead of me and my bike riding habits. Look, I I thought that with your daily tweet about how you do on Wordle, you could find nothing else (laughs) to tweet about that I would have less interest in. But I have to I have to congratulate you. You have. I got it in two. Was that today? Yes, I did it before I went to bed last night. It was after midnight. I sometimes forget when I've done it. That's the the hardest part of Wordle is remembering to do it each and every day. And you have me hooked now. It's all your fault. You're the one that got me to try it. My wife hooked on it. She blames me. I blame you. So you're responsible for two more Wordle addicts. All right. Uh, Hollywood Brown, former Ravens receiver, now Cardinals receiver. One of the surprises of the draft. Not surprising to the Ravens. Not surprising to Lamar Jackson, even though he acted surprised. Here is Hollywood Brown talking about his decision to ask to be traded out of Baltimore. Like we hadn't heard it, you know, this offseason. So you specifically asked the Ravens for a trade. Yeah, I asked them for a trade after the season. Um, it was just some, like, my, my happiness. I mean, I talked to Lamar about it, you know, after my second year. And, you know, then I, after my third year leading up to the end of the season, you know, he wasn't playing. You know, I, I let him know again, like, yeah, bro, I can't do it. And, you know, it's not really on Lamar. Like, I love Lamar. It was just, you know, it's just the system wasn't for me personally. You know, I love all my teammates. You know, I love the guys. But it was just, you know, something I had to think about for myself. And, you know, the, the Ravens, did. we both handled it the right way. You know, I didn't go out and make anything public. You know, I just kept it kept it in-house, kept working. And, you know, it all it all worked out. That was for I Am Athlete Nightly, now on Sirius XM, Mad Dog Radio, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. And look, 
That was a very telling comment. Now, last night, Eric DaCosta, the GM of the Ravens, disclosed that Hollywood Brown had asked to be traded at the end of the 2021 season. And we knew from the 2020 season he was upset at times about his usage. Who wouldn't be? They've had a hard time getting free agent receivers to voluntarily join the Baltimore Ravens. So the only thing you can do is force people to come work for you via a draft. This is one of the examples of a draft maybe not being something that a person would be interested in because I don't really want to go play for the Ravens. Like they're going to draft a receiver tonight. Probably that guy's not going to be real happy because you're not going to get to do the thing that you want to do, especially as more and more NFL offenses are throwing the ball all over the place. You're not. And somehow Hollywood Brown still had a thousand receiving yards last year, just barely, but he did, but he wanted out and miles Lamar Jackson acted surprised. He acted upset. He retweeted a very profane tweet that expressed dismay and shock that Hollywood Brown was traded. He created the impression he was mad at the team. Not mad at Hollywood Brown, mad at the team. And that's very disingenuous. It really is. And I think that Lamar Jackson at some level did not want this to be a reflection on him. That guys don't want to play with him. Not because they don't like him, as Hollywood Brown says. I love him. But why be in that system? Lamar Jackson is the system. And the Lamar Jackson system is... The receivers don't get a lot of footballs thrown their way. That's what the Ravens have created around Lamar Jackson. And it won him an MVP in 2019. So, like, there's reason to believe that this system works. Now, the Ravens spent a lot of time last year trying to improve their passing game. And who knows what would have happened if the injuries did not pile up as they did for Baltimore last year. But I think, look, Marquise Brown was very clear even, you know, before last season that this system was tough for wide receivers. I mean, Mike, you brought it up. They've had trouble bringing guys into that place. T.Y. Hilton decided to go back to the Colts last year instead of going to Baltimore. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster elected to go back to Pittsburgh instead of going to Baltimore. They ended up having to settle for somebody like Sammy Watkins, and Sammy Watkins really didn't do all that much in that system either. I mean, now he only signed a $4 million deal with the Green Bay Packers in free agency. So I understand from the standpoint of Marquise Brown where you're like, hey, man, I was a really good receiver in college. And now I've only had barely one 1,000-yard season. This ain't for me. Like, if I'm going to maximize my value as a receiver, especially in the way things have exploded for wide receiver contracts, I've got to go someplace else where I know I can actually catch the ball. So I get why Marquise Brown won it out. And I also kind of get why Lamar Jackson has had his public reaction the way that he's had it. You know, even if you understand what's going on privately it's different when you finally get to show some outward emotion you know like and this was the first time that he really could do that because it's the first time that it was made public so i i I get it from his standpoint of like look i I don't like this i like playing with marquise brown i don't want to give up marquise brown as a weapon but at the same time like yeah you're you're right that it's a little bit disingenuous that he to, to make it appear like he didn't know what was going on I have a hard time believing that, especially when Brown goes on, you know, where he is and it says like, yeah, Lamar Jackson and I have talked about this. This this wasn't really a surprise to anybody privately. I suspect that some folks with the Ravens would be disappointed in the way that Lamar Jackson handled it because it does create the impression there's a rift between player and team that really isn't there. They've got their own issues. Obviously, they can't get Lamar Jackson to come negotiate with them on a long-term deal. And at some point, they have to make plans for the future 
with the possibility that Lamar won't be there. And we, when you've completely restructured your offense to suit the unique and very special talents of one person, and that person then potentially is removed from the equation, you've got a problem. And I like the idea that they're doing something different from everyone else. It makes it harder for defenses to prepare for you. It's, it's like when the Patriots were the only team that ran the 3-4, and Peyton Manning could never solve the 3-4. He never saw the 3-4. Then he started seeing it more, and he got better at playing against the 3-4 defense. So if the Ravens are the only ones with this offense – Good luck getting ready because you're always preparing for a different offense. But the problem is you're going to have pieces of that offense, players on that offense, that are never going to be valued by you. The Ravens aren't going to pay somebody $25 million a year to play receiver. That's not happening. And you're never going to create the body of work that, that makes you attractive to someone else to justify that kind of money. So it's an unfortunate situation, but I, I think it's going to happen with Rashad Bateman, who was a first-round pick last year. If he begins to flourish and thrive, he's going to want out. Whoever they draft tonight, if, if he does well within the confines of that offense and feels like he could do a lot better with the team that actually throws the ball all over the place, he's going to – it's human nature. And that's what the receiver position is. They're guys who want the football. They don't just want to run pass routes and block. They want to catch the ball. They want the ball in the air. They want to show what they can do. They want to make things happen. They want to be in the middle of excitement. It's hard to convince a guy to willingly do nothing or at least do less than what he thinks he can do. So it's a problem the Ravens have, and it's not a good problem to have. You could say, yeah, it's a good problem to have. It's not a good problem to have. Certainly not. But I I think, you know, beyond what you were just saying, it's like, look, if guys are seeing the top wideouts right now, or even somebody like A.J. Brown, right, he's going to get an annual, an average annual value of 25 mil a year. And this is somebody who's barely gone over a thousand yards in each of his first two seasons, didn't reach that mark in 2021. And frankly, I love A.J. Brown as a player as much as anybody. So I don't say this to, you know, put A.J. Brown down, but Look, that, that's what the receiver market is. So, again, if you're Marquise Brown and you're in this offense, that's not really going to happen for you, at least with the Ravens. Now, the other the kind of counterpoint that I think of now is what if the Ravens feel like they have to evolve their offense beyond what Greg Roman has and has put forth for them now, right? Because – I mean, it's not like Lamar Jackson's a bad player. Again, he won an MVP a couple of years ago. And it's not like they haven't had success with this. But if you're going to have receivers basically say, I don't want to play here because this offensive system doesn't maximize me, how do you then make sure you're getting the max out of everybody in your scheme and not just Lamar Jackson, you know, your OLs and your running backs? That I, I think it poses a problem for the Ravens that, again, it, it's not really a good problem to have because you've had success with Greg Roman. But if this is the kind of thing that receivers are going to start saying, it's like, I, I want out. I can't. I just, I can't. Like, this doesn't work for me. Then at what point does that fall? Does John Harbaugh start thinking like, man, I, wh- what am I going to do? Well, I think this is the fundamental problem, and I'm going to try to make this as succinctly and clearly as possible. Greg Roman was at the 49ers when Colin Kaepernick was at his best, and they had evolved the offense to the point where if you were able to take away Colin Kaepernick's running, he would torch you with his arm. If you took away his arm, he would torch you with his legs. It was the ultimate in pick your poison with a quarterback who could do it all. I think in Baltimore, Lamar Jackson runs so well that – 
they become like the kid that's got three or the grown man as the case may be three Madden plays that work and just keep using the same three Madden plays. And yeah, I want to try some different things. I want to do some different things. I think I can do some different things, but man, once we get into the fray, I know what works and I'm going to keep doing it. And we're just going to keep doing it. And I don't know whether that's a decision that's made in the heat of the moment by the play caller. I don't know whether there are options Lamar Jackson has to either throw or run. And he just decides, screw it. I can go run for 15 yards here. And I don't mind taking the physical pounding. I don't know. But I know that Greg Roman is capable of having an offense that if you load up to stop the run like the Packers did week one of the 2013 season after Colin Kaepernick set a playoff quarterback rushing record in the postseason against the Packers, they get together week one and he throws for 412 yards against the Packers when they're determined to not let him beat them with his legs. Roman can do that. He can come up with that. And maybe that's something that they really need to focus on doing. And, you know, the truth may be, Miles, maybe they're trying and it just doesn't work because Lamar is so good at running the ball, they just can't get away from it when it's time to go try to win football games. Or is it just that Pete Colin Kaepernick as a passer is simply better than Lamar Jackson as a passer? And I don't mean that to say that Lamar Jackson's a bad passer because we've seen him make good throws. But, I mean, in the clips we were just playing, I mean, that that ball, that deep ball to Marquise Brown, that ball was quacking a little bit, right? It's not... It's not the same sort of laser that we used to see from Pete Colin Kaepernick. So, again, like this is a sort of interesting push and pull right now that the Ravens have. I, I don't quite know how they solve that. And not every offense that has decided it can win games by running the football is avoiding the possibility of paying big money to receivers. That's kind of the unspoken surprise in what the Eagles did last night. They evolved toward a run-based offense last year and then lo and behold at the time when people were thinking are they going to position themselves with Jamison Williams what's Harry Roseman got up his sleeve people thought it was a trip back into the top 10 no it was a trip down to Nashville to snatch A.J. Brown away from the Titans to pay him 25 million a year on a long-term deal, a four-year extension, $25 million per year in new money. A.J. Brown said today he would have stayed if the Titans had simply offered $22 million a year. They didn't even offer 20 Apparently, they only offered 16 I mean, that's an insult. In today's it market, is. don't even make the offer. When the market is what it is, if you are going to come in that low, you are, you are being more respectful to your player if you say, A.J., we just philosophically are deciding we're not going to participate in the market that currently exists for receivers, and we're going to facilitate your effort to find a place where you can thrive and you can be fairly compensated for what you bring to the table. That's what they should have done. Yeah, and that's, a, I mean, look, that's the feeling I got from the Chiefs and Tyreek Hill, right? I mean, like, there was a, a, a probably a certain level where the Chiefs were comfortable, but it just seems like there was not the insulting offer that went from Kansas City to, you know, Drew Rosenhaus, uh, Tyree Kill's representation. And eventually it's just like, okay, well, there are a couple teams here, the Jets and the Dolphins, and let's see who comes up with the better compensation package. So, look, the, the Eagles, I love what they've done. You know, when you are talking about Devontae Smith and, and A.J. Brown as your top two pass catchers, that's a pretty darn good offense. Now, is Jalen Hurts going to be the best quarterback for that system? I don't know. But this is another example of a quarterback basically having everything around him that he can. 
uh, to get a good gauge on whether or not he can succeed, whether or not he can be a franchise quarterback. So there's no real excuses for Jalen Hurts here as he's going into year three. And heck, the, the Eagles, I mean, who's to say they can't win the NFC East? Right? It seems like every year there's another team that, that's different, that wins the NFC East. I see how the Eagles have gotten themselves better. I don't necessarily see how the Cowboys are all that much better. I think the Eagles can definitely challenge for that division now. It's going to be interesting to see what the offense looks like with A.J. Brown. Will A.J. Brown be deployed like Debo Samuel? Because, look, you don't have to make big throws down the field into big spots if you can just do a little jet sweep, do a little bubble screen. And A.J. Brown's got the, the build, and he's got the thickness, and he's got the ability to really create havoc that way if that's what the Eagles choose to do. So fascinating to see what they do with him. And even more fascinating, this ongoing philosophical divide in the NFL between the teams – that are willing to cough up the money and the draft pick compensation to get a receiver and the teams that would rather draft a receiver. And the intersection last night prominently was the Tennessee Titans. We're not willing to pay the guy that we got three years ago. We scratched off the lottery ticket. It's a winner, but we don't want to keep that ticket. We're going to trade it in and get another lottery ticket. Hope it's a winner, but it's going to be cheaper and we can have that guy for up to five years, which as a practical matter, means they probably get four years out of Trayvon Burks before he gets in this position where it's getting awkward, it's getting ugly, and they may have to trade him again. But th- this, is, this is a litmus test of whether or not this approach works. This idea, as articulated by Scott McLuhan a couple of weeks ago, the idea that you can say, all right, receiver doesn't really affect a game that much. He touches the ball six or eight times. It's not worth big money. I'll go draft another one. Okay, well... You better hope you draft the right one because for every Justin Jefferson, there is a Jalen Rieger. And you better hope you didn't get the Jalen Rieger when you used the pick that was aligned with the team that drafted Jalen Rieger a couple years ago, creating the need to go get A.J. Brown in the first place. Well, right, exactly. But, you know, that's that's why you paid the scouting staff, right? And it's interesting to me, too. But they still get it wrong. It doesn't matter how much you spend. We know they still get it wrong because you can't get inside what the guy's going to be. Well, you you can and you can't. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like that's that's why either guys go on to become GMs or they don't. I like you if you get the picks right, then you get to continue to be employed. If you don't, you you don't. Like, Harry, the, they got it wrong when Dekeel Harry. Bill Belichick, one of the great minds of all time okay. in football, got it flat out wrong when Dekeel Harry yeah. and should have known, but still did it. Okay, but Bill Belichick has won six Super Bowls as a head coach. So like. Bill Belichick gets all the mulligans he wants because he's got he's got rings, he's got trophies. If you listen to Robert Kraft, if you if you listen to Robert Kraft, I think he's running out. I think his mulligan bag is starting to get a little light. I, 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 oh, yeah, that's sure, a different Dan. topic altogether. I'm sorry to interrupt see you. Robert, let's see Robert Kraft try to fire Bill Belichick and see what happens. Wait a minute. Yeah, wait okay. a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Well, let, let's let's game this out a little bit. It's been three years okay. since they won a playoff game. What's the over under? It's unthinkable that the Patriots would go another three years without winning a playoff game. But if they go three more years without winning a playoff game, at what point? I don't know. I don't know what six Super Bowls is worth. I don't know how long that lasts. I don't know how much time that buys you. It doesn't buy you a lifetime contract. It just doesn't. Because at some point, the natives up in New England are going to get restless. They're not going to want to come to the games. They're not going to be happy about the team. You know how the the New England, they're, they're spoiled. They're, they're still trying to work through this phase of, hey, we used to run the league, and now we're, what are we? If they have three more years without winning uh, a, a, a playoff game, I don't know. 
I don't know. I'm not ready to assume anything. This is the NFL, not for long. Who said that? Uh, it was, uh, what's his name? The, the Jerry Glanville. NFL stands for not for long. You, 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 Bill Belichick cannot just indefinitely be mediocre. He's the greatest coach of all time, Mike. I don't know what you're talking about. You're talking okay. three years down the line. What are you doing? This is like the, the discussion just, on the NBA, which I know you don't care about. But, like, they're talking about Doc Rivers. Who? and What? Like, you know, come on. This right. is ridiculous. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you. We Every once in a while, a topic organically comes up, and it's worth talking about a little bit. I don't all think right. he has an indefinite pass. Traylon Burks does not yeah. have an indefinite pass because here's the thing. He comes into Tennessee now as the replacement for A.J. Brown, and there's going to be an expectation that he – that he pans out and pans out quickly to replace A.J. Brown. Here he is on comparisons that immediately were made and had been made before the draft between him and A.J. Brown. Uh, no, sir, not at all, because uh, I'm, I'm myself. I'm Traylon Burks. Um, I don't com- like like usually I don't compare myself to anyone because I'm myself. Um, there's no other person like me um, and I, I handle my business the right way. And that's what I'm going to do. Hey, that's the right attitude. But like, that <laughs> that's angle? some high level. That that's angle? some high level. That's some high level video. Why even bother to record the video? Just make it an audio message. Um, but but look, look, I think one of the reasons why some first round receivers don't pan out, there is too much pressure put on them. And there's a ton of pressure. This guy is the test case. He's the guinea pig for the idea. We have good receiver that we don't want to pay. We remove him from the football machine we put in the new part and we expect it to operate the exact same way the part that we removed did and i i that you better get up to speed quickly i mean that was why we were saying about the packers and the chiefs if you draft a first round receiver that guy's expected to walk through the door and be the number one guy that's definitely what Traylon burks is expected to do absolutely it is but that's the same thing that justin jefferson was expected to do right and he did it and granted you know the 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 the, uh minnesota vikings got more out of stefan diggs than um, the Titans did out of A.J. Brown, just simply from the, the fact that, like, you know, Diggs was there for five years, Brown was there for three years, right? But at the same time, you have to be able to get that right. And so if they don't get that right, then John Robinson is probably going to be out of a job. I, that's the way these things work. I mean, every single year, the draft is basically the GM's resume. And GMs know this. So if you're going to make that deal and you're going to ship away A.J. Brown and you're going to give him that insulting offer and you're just going to say, yeah, well, Derrick Henry is the centerpiece of our offense and that's why we're going to devalue the wide receiver position the way we are and we feel like we can pick this guy and he's going to be, he's going to be good and he's going to do exactly what we need. You, you better be right, you know, because they do have a guy in Robert Woods who I think is one of the most underrated receivers in the league, but he's coming off an ACL. If you can't get Burks up to speed very quickly and on the same page with Ryan Tannehill, that's going to be a real problem for the Titans in the AFC South, a division which they have done a really, really good job of running over the last few years. The uh, Titans a year ago had A.J. Brown and Julio Jones as of June and plenty of expectations and excitement about what that offense could be. And Jones didn't pan out. And now A.J. Brown is gone it's Traylon Burks and as you mentioned Robert Woods and we'll see what they can do and I have them on my short list of teams I'm watching tonight as the quarterback slide because Mm -hmm. Ryan Tannehill didn't show up for the start of the offseason program there was no explanation as to why he wasn't there this kind of thing that from a PR standpoint the team or the player needs to get 
the alternate explanation out there so people don't think there's an issue and there could be an issue and who knows how much longer he's the guy. And Derrick Henry, how long can he perform the way that he has? This is a team that's kind of at a crossroads now, and they've made a decision. They reached a fork in the road, and they made a very, very challenging decision that we'll see how it pans out for them with Traylon Burks, without A.J. Brown as they move forward. The 49ers still have Debo Samuel. Miles, that was the guy that I thought was going to get traded last night instead of Hollywood Brown and A.J. Brown. Debo Samuel, according to The Athletic, drew an offer from the Jets for the 10th overall pick. That was the one we were all focused on, but there's more. Fifth-round pick, but it was Debo Samuel plus a second-round pick. I mean, that's not even an offer. It gets back to the... Titans offering $16 million per year for A.J. Brown. Like, why are you insulting us with this? Unless the Jets just thought they could steal Debo Samuel. But if I'm Robert Sala and I was with the 49ers, and I know that my boss in San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, kind of runs the show, I wouldn't want Joe Douglas to make that offer. Because, like, dude, I still have a relationship with this guy. I owe a lot to this guy. This is going to piss him off. This isn't going to lay the foundation for a trade. This is going to piss him off. They're going to slam down the phone. So if this is true, and I have no reason to doubt it, that is wild to me that that offer was made. Well, Mike, this is what we were talking about the other day where it's Debo Samuel on the 49ers has a certain amount of value, but you're talking about a guy who missed half the season in 2020. So it's the injury concerns that may or may not be there, and you only have one year of truly elite production. So that's why, at least the way I see it, you might see an offer like this, right? Where it's not just, you know, okay, we're giving you a first round pick for this guy and da da da. Like, no, like there, you have to maybe get something in return as well, because it's like, do we really know exactly what Debo Samuel can be? And again, like the, the Jets, have probably one of the most comparable offenses in terms of offensive system to San Francisco because a lot of those guys basically came from San Francisco to the New York Jets, right? Mike LaFleur used to have uh, the offensive coordinator position for the 49ers. So like that, those things translate. However, I think when you, when you know who Debo Samuel is because you're in that building, maybe you have a better idea of what his value is really truly on the open market than other people, right? So I don't know. I mean, if that's if that was a serious offer, then of course the 49ers are going to reject that. They're not inclined to trade him in the first place. And we said this the other day too, because Trey Lance is going to be their starting quarterback. And if you have a new starting quarterback that's in his second year and hasn't started games basically since like 2019, then you're not going to want to get rid of your best offensive player. Okay, A.J. Brown, you could, you definitely would say he's not their best offensive player. Marquise Brown, not Baltimore's best offensive player either. You know, Tyreek Hill, you could argue that Travis Kelsey is a little bit more valuable to that team because he blocks and he's also a receiver. So, you know, Devontae Adams, yeah, he was probably the Packers' most important player. But, like, that I think is where the differences are in some of these teams that have gotten rid of their top receivers for draft picks and the San Francisco 49ers. I'm not going to go conspiracy, Mike, and say that the Jets, at the request of the 49ers, made a light offer so that they could turn around to Debo and say, what are we supposed to do here? We're not getting any big <laughs> offers. But but I will say, I will say, it wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers deliberately leaked the offer that they got 
so that Debo knows, look, it's it's not like somebody is making us an offer we can't refuse. We're willing yeah. to do business, but but it's it's kind of, I think it's kind of like what may have happened with Kyler Murray behind the scenes. We didn't hear about it, but the idea that no one was beating down the Cardinals' door to try to get Kyler Murray and making huge offers at some point that humbles the guy who is the subject of the trade talk to think, I don't know, maybe there isn't this huge demand for me out there. The Lions also reportedly made a light offer for Debo Samuel. They ultimately made not that huge of an offer to move up 20 spots, but the Vikings took it and the Lions took Jamison Williams. And that's an important point because the Lions showed that it can be done. You can go from the bottom of round one to go up and get one of these receivers, something that the Packers did not do. Here's Brian Gutekunst explaining why he didn't make a big move to get a receiver last night. Uh, we certainly explored some options. Um, there was a little run on receivers there, I think, you know, and once that kind of happened, I think, um, you know, we were, we were kind of like thought we would stay and pick, and, and that's, that's kind of how it unfolded. I think there's some really good receivers left in this draft, and we'll kind of see how it, how it plays out. We have a, nine picks left, you know, so we got a lot of ammunition, um, whether we stick and pick or move around. So we'll kind of see how that goes, but I don't feel we have to do that. Uh, I like our football team. I think I've spoken on that before. Um, we'd like to add players at every position, and that's, that's the receiver position is no different. But I don't feel like I have to. Um, so we'll kind of see how it, how it unfolds tomorrow and on Saturday. You know, I can glean something from Brian Gutekunst's attire last night. If we can pull up a full screen. Just indulge me for 30 seconds. This is the last PFTPM for who knows how long. So let me just have some fun here. <laughs> they have mandatory shirt and tie draft night at Green Bay. And Brian Gutekunst isn't happy about it. And you can tell by the way the collar, you can't really see it there. The way the tie meets the collar, it's just a little sloppy there. He does not want to be wearing a shirt and tie on draft night. But it's somebody else's rule that draft night is shirt and tie. Anyway, it was somebody else's expectation that they were going to go get a receiver. But not his. Not his idea. He was going, and no collar stays, by the way, for Brian Gutekunst. It was Damn it, I got to wear a friggin' shirt and tie tonight. Oh. Yeah, let's go. All right, let's go find it. I almost, said friggin', not like Sims. We almost day. did it again. But I don't know. We can, we can drop F bombs on this show now, apparently. I don't know, man. If you want to try, go ahead. Go ahead. Some can no, get no, away I, with it and some can't. <laughs> apparently, Sims oh, can. I have yeah. yet to muster the nerve to try it. Sims <laughs> got away with it. I'll let you do it, and then maybe I'll get the no. Andrew chair for next year. No. Um, anyway, anyway, look. And Aaron Rodgers even said this uh, last night on Pat McAfee. Well, you know, we've found some receivers over the years that aren't uh, first-rounders. Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, that's fine. But none of those guys walk through the door and were told, hey, you know what, you're our new number one receiver. Go out and behave accordingly. They had time to develop. They had time to grow. And are are they going to draft a guy tonight and say this is our new number one receiver? I mean, good luck with that. So I, I I don't get it with the Packers or the Chiefs, but more the Packers than the Chiefs, because the the Chiefs at least have other weapons you can feel good about. The Packers just don't right now. And Aaron Rodgers made it clear last night he thought Devontae Adams was staying when he decided not to leave. Yeah, that is kind of funny, isn't it? I saw you and Sims talking about that earlier today. But I I think some of what this is is your lack of confidence in Matt LaFleur. Because we all have confidence in Andy Reid, right? I mean, Andy Reid is one of the best coaches that this league has ever seen, especially on offense. So we know that Andy Reid can develop guys, develop receivers. We know that Patrick Mahomes can get the most out of guys. And I think over the course of time, we've seen Aaron Rodgers 
work with different receivers and elevate them to new heights. What, you're not going to have a number one guy in Green Bay this year unless all of a sudden they go out and they trade for somebody. It's just, it's not going to happen. So what they need is to have guys who can fill certain roles. Now, I don't know what that's going to mean on third and 10, and you've got to have it. Where are you going to go? Right? Because that, that ball was going to go to Devontae Adams before, and everybody could know it, but Aaron Rodgers was still going to find a way, and Devontae Adams was still going to find a way to make sure that thing got done. They've got to get to somebody who can at least have enough roles, you know, where it's like, all right, we, we know that we can count on this guy in certain situations, but yeah, it, it's not going to be, okay, there's this number one guy. And I think Matt LaFleur is smart enough to know that that's not how they're going to be able to construct their offense. They're going to have to have guys for certain roles, and those guys are going to have to perform those roles extremely well. Yeah, no, I, look, I, I think that the Chiefs, even though Tyree Kill, in my mind, is better than Devontae Adams, I feel like the Chiefs otherwise have the infrastructure to get past this. The Packers are going to struggle, and the Packers, I think, had a greater need to make that move that the Lions made. And if Jamison Williams ends up being great for the Lions, the Packers are never going to hear the end of it because the argument's going to be, guys, you could have done the same thing. You could have made the same move. You could have moved 22-12 to 12 and gotten Jamison Williams. The Vikings traded within the division. They would have done it with you, although maybe the Vikings wouldn't have given the Packers the 12th overall pick. We'll never know. Let's take a break. When we return, some day after round one of the draft, which doesn't belong and why, that's next here on PFTPM. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Pay attention to anything, stuff that was written about you or said about you coming into the draft, and if so, what's the number one thing that someone's gotten wrong about you? I mean, definitely... Um, well, I try to stay away from the media, definitely. I feel like, you know, everybody has an opinion. It's like, you know, like buttholes, you know, everybody has one. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> that was awesome. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, well done. Welcome to the NFL, Tyler Smith. Hey, you're doing it right if you're working for the Cowboys and you're saying things at press conferences that get people to laugh, especially if yeah. they end with holes. Yeah, that's a <laughs> <laughs> threw me off a little bit there. Uh, but yeah, that's almost like a Jerry Jonesism, right? You know, that's, that's the kind of thing he loves. Maybe that's why they uh, picked him. He must have given him a couple good one-liners in that pre-jap meeting. I, I, I guess, uh, and I don't know that we're writing about this. Shireen's heard that, like, the, the fans were very upset with the Tyler Smith pick, and they left the draft party, and they were dismantling the stage when Jerry Jones decided to go speak. And it's like, where'd everybody go? So, uh, <laughs> Cowboys fans not happy. And, look, generally speaking, mid to late round, offensive linemen are never well received by any team's fan base they don't want that they want some sizzle mid to late first round not some offensive lineman that 
that no one was talking about going into the draft. I mean, if you get one of the offensive linemen that all the experts are talking about, hey, we got that guy. But if it's some guy that nobody's really cared about, it's, it's hard to get the fan base fired up. All right, let's get some folks fired up with which doesn't belong and why. We'll start with first-round offensive linemen from non-traditional schools. Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, Tyler Smith from Tulsa, and Cole Strange from Chattanooga, which doesn't belong and why. I'll go the Sean McVay and Les Snead route, and I'll say Cole Strange, just because if you've got somebody who they really thought they might be able to target at 104, presuming Sean McVay was telling the truth when he said that, that's really interesting because it shows the the amount of difference that, you know, different teams are scouting. And, all that. and usually I feel like teams have decent, I don't know, comps on first-round graded players or guys that they would feel comfortable drafting that high. So that one seems a little interesting to me. I'm going to say Smith just because the expectation on the Cowboys, given their history of drafting offensive linemen and having them work out, is he's going to walk right through the door, step right into the lineup, and start and play well from day one. The pressure is definitely going to be on him in Dallas. All right, uh, Panthers tackle Iki Iquanu, Giants tackle Evan Neal, and Seahawks tackle Charles Cross. The three big names, the top ten tackles, which doesn't belong and why? You know, it's interesting because all three of these teams have questions at quarterback, right? But there are two that seem to have coach stability, front office stability, and one that doesn't. So with that, I'm going to go with Iki Okwanu because it's, you don't know what's going to happen with the Panthers going into 2023. I mean, is Matt Rule going to be there? Is Scott Bittersill going to be there? Oh, is David Tepper going to get impatient? We don't know. So depending on what happens there, that could change the trajectory of Okwanu's career. So at least with those other two guys you know you're, you're you at least feel like you've got some stability i'm gonna say Quanu for a different reason because we've talked about my feelings about the draft guys should be able to pick their teams they should be able to stay in their hometown if they want to it worked out for a Quanu. for a Quanu and aiden hutchinson two of the guys taken very early in the draft they got to go to the teams they would have picked and that's a great story when the planets line up that way but a Quanu went to nc state he's from the charlotte area he was all into the idea i'm going to be Big part of the community. That's perfect for the Panthers. You get, and the Lions, you get a highly talented player that helps you in a position of need and a guy who really wants to be there, who already knows the town and doesn't have to go through that adjustment of getting up to spend. It's a big thing for a young kid. You get dropped into a place you've never lived before. It's not going to be an issue for Hutchinson or for Ike Aquano. Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, and Lamar Jackson, veteran quarterbacks who have new offensive linemen, which doesn't belong and why. Uh, I'll go with Lamar Jackson, mainly because they traded away one of his primary pass catchers yesterday. And, you know, we, Dak Prescott still got guys, you know, Justin Herbert still got his top two guys and Williams and Allen. But like when it comes to the passing game of Lamar Jackson, man, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen there. I really don't at this point. I'm going to say Lamar Jackson because it was the WTF tweet from him that came after the Ravens drafted his new center, <laughs> Tyler sick, Linderbaum. Yeah. And it's so, it's so funny how football fans, and I appreciate the passion, but they'll always find, it's like politics now. You'll come up with the most outlandish things to justify whatever position you want to take. Like, oh, he wasn't talking. He wasn't. He, we got to get that in one time. Before yes, we got to get that. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't talking about Tyler. Tyler. He, he wasn't talking about Tyler Linderbaum. 
I, well, I mean, look, he posts WTF after they draft him. If he's upset with the fact that they didn't put pepperoni on the pizza he ordered from Domino's, probably a good point to explain why you're tweeting WTF because people are going to assume there is a connection between that and a fairly significant event that happened for your football team on a night when you're already complaining about Hollywood Brown being traded. Anyway, I'm going to say, who did I say? I'm going to say Lamar Jackson just because he doesn't seem to be all that appreciative of the fact that the Ravens drafted an offensive lineman. Yeah, well, it's going to be, as you said earlier today, an intimate relationship as long as they're not in shotgun. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow, veteran quarterbacks whose teams went defense and, in some cases, multiple first-round defensive picks. Which doesn't belong and why out of those four? Uh, Let's go with Aaron Rodgers, mainly because, you know, again, you talk about primary pass catchers. You got Mahomes, who's still got Kelsey. You know, uh, Joe Burrow's still got Jamar Chase. Like, Aaron Rodgers, like, what? uh, Like, who's that guy that you go to on third down? We just don't know. Yeah, I'm going to say Rodgers. I think the interview last night in his safe space with Pat McAfee was very telling. (laughs) There were some questions that that could have been asked. And I'm not – look, I understand during an interview all sorts of stuff happens, especially when you're interviewing a strong personality like Aaron Rodgers and he'll kind of dictate the flow. That's just kind of the way it goes. You sign on for that when you interview him. But there were some questions I would have liked to have, have, have known the answer to, like do you regret choosing to come back? Would you have made a different decision if you had known Devontae Adams was going to be there? There's a way you can – you know, gingerly present that question to the great and powerful Wizard of Oz and get him to say something that wouldn't be completely worthless. There's just a lot of questions that that came up to me after watching him talk about Devontae Adams that really makes me wonder, is there friction still lingering between him and the front office? Uh, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, Jets first rounders, three. Most first rounders for the Jets since that four-man first round class of 2000, which doesn't belong and why out of those three. You know, I'm going to say Jermaine Johnson, and I I don't like trying to put somebody down when they just got drafted. That doesn't feel good to me just as a human being. But if they had him rated so high on their draft board, right? Like they've been saying, oh, he was one of our top eight players, top 10 players, whatever it is. And he falls all the way down to where he fell. There's a disconnect there between the way the Jets see him and the way the rest of the league sees him. So that's interesting to me, and we'll see how it works out. But it's like, it's not like you know, the Raiders in 2019, they had three first-round picks in, in uh, Furl and Jacobs and Abram, and now all three of them have had their options declined. So like, look, in a few years, we're going to know whether or not this works. And that's a great litmus test for whether or not a first-round draft pick pans out is – the fifth-year option picked up. And to go 0 for 3, the Raiders from 2019. Now, look, I think the Josh Jacobs decision has more to do with the new offensive scheme, that they're not going to value any running back in Las Vegas. They're going to have an entire core of guys that get plugged in based upon what the game plan is, like they did in New England. But still, that's not good. And, And you're right. Just because the Jets thought of Jermaine Johnson highly and he fell and they traded back in to get him, that doesn't mean he's going to be great. The Vikings had three first-round picks in 2013, Xavier Rhodes, Sharif Floyd, and Cordero Patterson. And Floyd dropped. Floyd was a surprise. He slid. Oh, that's great value. We had him highly rated, and he never panned out. So that's the other reality. No matter what you hear about, wow, you could have got, we could have got him early, we could have got him late or whatever, half these guys are still not going to pan out. And they were rated exactly what? 
Everybody thought they should have been, and there's still a 50-50 shot that it's not going to work. All right, let's take a break. When we return, will we see quarterbacks tonight? We only saw one last night. It sets up for maybe a few getting drafted in rounds two and three, which unfold at 7 p.m. Eastern tonight. We'll be back with that on PFTPM right after Kenny Pickett drafted last night, 20th overall by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Plenty of quarterbacks available tonight, led by Malik Willis. He was the favorite to be the first quarterback drafted. Then there's Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell. What will the Panthers, Falcons, Seahawks, Lions, Texans do? I keep trying to speak Baker Mayfield to the Lions into existence. They may draft a quarterback tonight. Who knows? I know. You love it. Uh, But but it would be better for them to draft a guy because then that guy sits on the bench. For a year, and Jared Goff continues to play. If you trade for Baker Mayfield, what are you going to do right now? You don't, you don't use Jared Goff and put Baker Mayfield on the bench. Regardless, these are the guys, these are the teams, these are the situations where we could see some action tonight. And I think it makes it much more interesting tonight. Miles, when you look at some of these teams and when they're drafting and where they're drafting, and Vikings GM Kwesi Adolfo Mensa said last night he had a curveball thrown his way. There was an offer he got at pick number 32. So somebody was thinking about moving up. And I think somebody's thinking about quarterback. Why wouldn't you be thinking about a quarterback? And uh, you've got the Falcons who have uh, Drake London, who's now matched up with Kyle Pitts and their quarterback is Marcus Mariota. You got the Seahawks. You got plenty of teams, plenty of teams that may be thinking about getting one of these guys tonight. It makes tonight more interesting, I think, than it is in a normal year. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, especially after there was just no quarterback, basically anything yesterday, except uh, for Kenny Pickett to the Steelers. So it, it, tonight is one of those things where it's like, all right, you, you could see quarterback needy teams maybe make a move. I mean, I, I feel like you're going to see teams do something. And I think that these teams might have done these quarterbacks a favor by not picking them in the first round because it lowers the expectations for them coming in. So, uh, you know, be whether it's Willis, whether it's Ritter or Howell or Corral, like maybe Strong gets in there too from Nevada. Like there are some guys that have some talent, but now they're going to be afforded the time to sit on the bench, bench and mature. Whereas if they're a first round pick, the expectation is different. You know what else it does? It, it gets them in a Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins posture where mm-hmm. they got four years, not five years before the franchise tag dance happens if they end up playing and playing well and positioning themselves for uh, a second contract somewhere. Baker Mayfield, still a member of the Browns. I said this earlier today. I wrote about it at PFT, and I argued last night. You know, the more I thought about it, why don't you just go get Baker Mayfield? He's a proven commodity. None of these other guys are proven. Go trade for Baker Mayfield if you need a quarterback. You can plug him in. If he gets healthy, once he's healthy, he's going he's gonna to be good. He's been good for two out of four years with Browns teams that weren't all that good. He was spectacular in 2020 down the stretch. Last year, you can blame it on the shoulder. Uh, now that the Panthers don't have a second-round pick or a third-round pick, I think they should make this trade now, Miles, because as these other teams wait to see if they get a Malik Willis, a Matt Corral, a Desmond Ritter, Carson Strong, whoever – if they don't get one of those guys, then all of a sudden they're sniffing around the possibility of trading for Baker Mayfield. If I'm the Panthers, I want to do this now. Yeah, the leverage starts to shift, right? The more that teams you know, fill those seats with quarterbacks um, that are young, then you start to say, all right, well, who are the available teams 
uh, that can go and then get Baker Mayfield and that that calculus kind of changes. So, yeah, I mean, I think it makes much more sense for the Panthers to go and do this uh, now that they do not have any second or third round picks. And frankly, I thought that that might be why they would trade down from number six overall. And, you know, who knows if uh, Kwanu wasn't there at six, maybe they would have, but he was. And so they didn't. So, yeah, it just it makes much more sense for the Panthers to do this instead of whatever you've been doing the last month or whatever it's been of trying to will Baker Mayfield to the Lions. Stop trying to make fetch happen. It ain't going to happen. Well, it's not going to happen to Pittsburgh now, so I'm only left with the Lions. I was trying to make it happen to Pittsburgh, but now that they have Kenny Pickett, it's not going to happen. Here's what happens next. We take a break. We'll wrap up this Friday edition of PFTPM right after this. Let's get right to it. I don't know if this was on the stack of questions when the show began, but Hot Take Time Machine asks, is Bill Belichick on the hot seat? Is change is a bust? Did this question come in during the show? Um, yes, it came in during the show. I sure did. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Uh, well, uh, look, we've already plowed that ground. Let's move on to the next one. At Sportsfeeder <laughs> 1, did Debo mess up by asking for a trade with A.J. Brown and Hollywood Brown moving by keeping quiet? You know, it's a great question because we've seen three receivers get traded when we didn't expect it. And really, Devontae Adams, we didn't expect it. We knew, oh, he he wasn't going to sign the franchise tag. He wasn't going to play under that. He wanted a long-term deal. I would have expected a long-term deal, not a trade. So really, four guys that didn't make a big deal about it, didn't disclose their intention, got what they wanted. So I don't know. Did Debo Samuel cut off his nose to spite his face, or as Sims would say, bite off his nose to spite his face by making his wishes known? I don't know if it's that. I think that it, he probably was forced into it because the 49ers are like, no, dude, we're not trading you. So I think it's, I think it's just different situations. And so, yeah, if the, if the Titans and the Packers and the, and the Chiefs and all that, those guys, like, if they were willing to work with those players and getting them to a different destination, that's one thing. It doesn't seem like the 49ers are willing to do that. See McGlynn 84. I'm jumping ahead because I'm fascinated by this one. Where does Malik Willis okay. go again? The odds makers had him as the favorite to be the first quarterback drafted. And the odds makers, you, you do a mock draft based on the betting odds. You got a pretty good mock draft because they know yeah. what's going on. Miles, I think he's going to Atlanta. And, and okay. I think Arthur Blank wants a quarterback. It reminds me of 2014. Mark Davis was pushing for Derek Carr with the fifth mm-hmm. overall pick. They talked him out of it. He was there in round two and they got him. I have a feeling Arthur Blank wanted Malik Willis with the eighth pick, and he may still be there, and they may get him. They may even move up to get him. I don't think he's going to get past that 40 to 43 range. The Falcons are at 43, but you have the Seahawks and the Colts and the Fal- before that, right? Minnesota, Tennessee, the Giants, or Texans are also candidates to pick him. So we'll see where he goes. So he'll this be somebody's quarterback the in the future. Run, at least as a – thank you very much. What a way to end it. Let's just leave it there. We'll see you Monday for PFT Live, all weekend at Pro Football Talk. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.